Chapter 9 of Angels of the Battlefield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Indu Nair. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Labors in Frederick City. On the 4th of June, 1862, a telegram was received at the Central House in Emmitsburg asking that ten sisters be detailed for hospital service in Frederick City, Maryland. The request came from the medical authorities in charge of the hospital and it explained the immediate and imperative need of the sisters there were only three sisters at liberty in the main house at the time but the zeal of the superiors managed to secure seven others from the various catholic schools and academies in the city of baltimore the ten nurses started upon their journey without any unnecessary delay and soon reached frederick city when they arrived at the hospital they were received by an orderly who showed them into their room it was in an old stone barracks that had been occupied by general george washington during the revolutionary war the room contained ten beds so closely jammed together that there was scarcely space to walk about them an old rickety table and two or three dilapidated chairs comprised the only furniture of the room the chief surgeon called to welcome the sisters and expressed the hope that they would be comfortable in their military quarters he informed them that they were to call upon the steward for whatever they needed the medicine was plentiful but badly administered by the nurses who did not attach much importance to the time or manner of giving it the sisters food consisted of the soldiers ration it was served to them on broken dishes with old knives and forks red with rust the patients often amused their nurses by saying there is no necessity for the doctors to order us the tincture of iron three times a day don't you think we get nearly enough of it off our table service on the fourth of july an addition to the sick from the field of battle arrived at the hospital the newcomers numbered about four hundred and the majority were suffering from typhoid fever and dysentery they came unexpectedly and no preparations had been made to receive them so that many of the men had to lie in the open yard of the hospital for nearly a whole day exposed to the scorching heat of the sun the sisters were thus doomed to witness a most distressing scene without having it in their power to alleviate the suffering finally the sister servant who could no longer behold such a spectacle managed to procure some wine which with the aid of water she multiplied prodigiously thereby giving all a refreshing drink this drew from the lips of the poor sufferers many a blessing and prayer for the sisters of charity there were continuous skirmishes in the shenandoah valley from whence 
large numbers of wounded were frequently brought to the hospital so that in a short time it was overcrowded and the chief surgeon was obliged to occupy two or three public buildings in the city as hospitals at the request of the doctors eight additional sisters were sent from the mother house at emmitsburg and they were divided among the various hospitals that were occupied as temporary wards until accommodations could be made at the general hospital to receive the worst cases the sick and slightly wounded men were transferred to baltimore a young man a philadelphian was brought in one day fearfully crushed one hand and arm mangled to a jelly opening his eyes he beheld a sister of charity standing near him a look of light succeeded the heavy expression of weary pain and he exclaimed oh i wish i were as good as the sisters of charity then i would be ready to die he begged for baptism there was no time to lose the sisters hastened to instruct him in what was necessary for him to believe and then baptized him after which he calmly expired one of the difficulties with which the sisters had to contend was the improper manner in which the food was prepared one day the chief surgeon asked for a sister to superintend the kitchen and one who was qualified for the charge was sent for that purpose her silence and gentleness soon quelled the turbulent spirits of the soldiers employed in her office so that in a short time they became as docile as children on the first day an improvement was noticed in the hospital the steward said that for the short time the sisters had been there their presence in the barracks had made a wonderful change he said that the men were more respectful and were seldom heard to swear or use profane language a sister was unexpectedly accosted one day by a convalescent patient whom she often noticed viewed her with a surly countenance and would reluctantly take from her whatever she offered him he said sister you must have noticed how ugly i have acted towards you and how unwillingly i have taken anything from you but i could not help it as my feelings were so embittered against you that your presence always made me worse i have watched you closely at all times since you came to the barracks but when you came in at midnight last night to see the patient who lay dangerously ill i could not but notice your self-sacrificing devotion it was then that my feelings became changed towards you i reflected upon the motives which seemed to actuate the sisters of charity and i could not help admiring them i thank you sister for all the kindness you have shown me i am happy to say that the sisters of charity have left impressions on my mind that will not be easily effaced on the nineteenth of july eighteen sixty two the feast of st vincent de paul the sisters received quite a treat in the shape of an excellent dinner sent by the director of the jesuit novitiate and the superioress of the visitation convent in washington 
Several ladies also visited them and sent refreshments for the day. There were many Germans in the barracks, and the band of sisters who were there only spoke the English language. The superior, however, sent a German sister who could speak to these men and interpret for the other sisters. At their request, one of the clergymen from the novitiate, who spoke the German language, heard the confessions of the German Catholics. On the evening of September 5, 1862, the sisters were suddenly alarmed by an unusual beating of the drums. They had all retired to bed except the sister-servant, who called to them to rise quickly and go to the barracks. That the Confederate army was in Maryland, and would reach the camp in the morning. They were informed that all the patients who were able to walk, including the male attendants and men employed about the hospital, would have to leave the place in about an hour, and that all the United States Army stores in the city must be consigned to the flames. Imagine their feelings at such news. The hour passed like a flash. The soldiers all disappeared except a few of the badly wounded who could not be removed. The signal was given, and in a few moments, the entire city was enveloped in smoke and flames. The conflagration was so great that it illuminated all the surrounding towns. The sisters spent the remaining part of the night with the sick, who were left alone in the wards. The doctors who remained at their posts carried their instruments and other articles to the sister-servant for safekeeping, knowing that whatever the sisters had in their possession was secure. The next day dawned bright and beautiful, but what a scene of desolation and ruin was presented to the view. There was no one on the hospital grounds but the steward and doctors, about four in number, and the sisters, who were going to and from the barracks, attending the helpless soldiers. It was then that these poor helpless men exclaimed in astonishment and gratitude, O oh, sisters, did you stay to care of us? We thought you also would have gone, and then what would have become of us? About nine o'clock in the morning, the Confederates were discovered on the top of a hill advancing rapidly towards the hospital. Suddenly, the advance guards appeared in front of the sisters' windows, which were under the doctor's office. One of the confederates demanded without delay the surrender of the place to the confederate army, in command of generals Jackson and Lee. The officer of the day replied, I surrender. The guards rode off, and in about fifteen minutes afterwards, the whole confederate army entered the hospital grounds. It was then that the sisters witnessed a mass of human misery. Young and old men, with boys who seemed like mere children, emaciated with hunger and covered with tattered rags that gave them more the appearance of dead men than of living ones. After these skeleton-like forms had been placed in their respective barracks and tents, the sick were brought in, numbering over four hundred. The majority of these were, however, half dead from want of food and drink. They informed the sisters that they had been without anything to eat for thirteen days, with the exception of some green corn, 
which they were allowed to pluck on their march into maryland the sisters were delighted to find a field in which to exercise their charity and zeal on behalf of the suffering men but alas a new trial awaited them the united states surgeon called upon the sister servant and told her that the sisters could not at that time give any assistance to the confederates as they the sisters were employed by the union government to take care of their sick and wounded but he added that the union army was daily expected and as soon as it would reach the city the confederate sick would receive the same care and attention as the union soldiers the citizens were now at liberty to do as they pleased they flocked in crowds to the hospital distributing food and clothing at their own discretion this proved fatal in many cases as the diet furnished the sick men was contrary to what their condition required the young scholastics of the jesuit novitiate nearby volunteered to nurse the sick soldiers and their services were accepted by the united states surgeon who arranged accommodations for them at the barracks the sisters were also allowed to give the scholastics meals in their refectory it was truly edifying to see the zeal of those schoolboys father surin the confessor of the sisters was likewise indefatigable in his labors he deeply regretted the restrictions the sisters were under at the same time admiring the wonderful ways of god in permitting the young scholastics to gain admittance into the hospital to fill the mission of charity of which the sisters were so unexpectedly deprived on the fifth day of the invasion the sister servant obtained a passport from general lee for two sisters to emmitsburg they were thus enabled to apprise the superiors of their situation these same sisters returned to frederick on september twelfth accompanied by the sister assistant from emmitsburg on re-entering the city their astonishment was great when they found that the whole southern army had disappeared when they reached the barracks the other sisters informed them that the confederates had left the city the previous night leaving only their sick who were unable to be removed frederick city was again in possession of the union forces and the good nurses were now at liberty to exercise their duties on behalf of the sick confederates who were prisoners at the hospital the doctors made no distinction between them and the union soldiers they lay side by side so that the sisters had it in their power to give them equal attention it was truly edifying to see the patience and harmony that prevailed among them they would say sisters we are not enemies except on the battlefield general mcclellan was at this time in command of the union army on one occasion he visited the barracks and was delighted with the order that reigned throughout before leaving he expressed a desire to have fifty additional sisters sent to nurse the sick and wounded but the scarcity of sisters made it impossible to comply with his request a reinforcement of sisters was now required to go to the various places occupied by the wounded the superiors could only send a few on account of the great demand for them throughout the different parts of the state 
in frederick city the sisters had to divide their services between the barracks and the tents and even then it was impossible to do justice to all they were thus occupied for nearly six weeks without intermission except a few hours which they would occasionally take for repose and even that was frequently interrupted they thought little of fatigue or bodily privation being happy in the belief that they were not better served than the sick and wounded during the month of september the sisters were recalled by their superiors to the central house at emmitsburg and this for the time being ended their labors at frederick city End of chapter 9